0: Psalm 119, verse 17, through 24. Deal bountifully with your servant, that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner of the earth. Hide not your commandment from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. You, rebu- you rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Verse 153 through 160. Look on my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great is your mercy, O Lord. Give me life according to your rules. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries, but I do not swerve from your testimonies. I look at the faithless with disgust, because they do not keep your commands. Consider how I love your precepts. Give me life according to your steadfast love. The sum of your word is truth and every one of your righteous rules endures forever.
1: Heavenly Father, as we uh, look at the scripture today, as we look at um, what you have to say for us, I pray that you would remove uh, from us any of the obstacles of what this week um, has meant or what the week coming means, God, as we know we are in a season of transition from school to, to, or from no school to school, and uh, just kind of the fall and the seasons that we see here. God, I pray that you would give us... um, just a, 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 a word from you today, God, something that would bring about um, incredible glory to you through our lives, God. So we pray as we look at your scriptures, we pray as we, um, as we dig into this psalm, God, that we would um, do what we have hoped since the beginning of, of jumping into this psalm, that we would fall um, madly in love with you and your laws. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. You guys can grab a seat. We began this, this series of this psalm, or we started this psalm a while ago, actually, um, with the intent of doing a, a few things. I wanted to real quickly apologize for last week. Um, the, the podcast hasn't gone up yet because of technical difficulties, but we did actually figure out today that we saved the podcast. So if you missed last week, we will have both of them posted up this week. Um, We started this series with the hope that um, I I really said at the beginning of the year through the book of Ephesians that we wanted to make this year, 2017, a year where we sought maturity. We looked for for us to grow in maturity in in the Lord, whether that meant um, for us to understand um, something specific or if just as a whole, he is trying to draw us into a deeper, more intimate understanding of what it means to live according to his rules and his laws. And so um, we jumped into the Psalm 119 and we're a few weeks into it now. We've been taking... um, we kind of created a structure. It's not the structure it's written, but we, we're doing a, a chunk on the front end and a chunk on the tail end, and we're going to work our way up to the middle, which we believe that ultimately is, is everlasting life or eternal life, which is, what, which is what we can see out of this word. And so that's what we're doing is we're kind of trying to pull a theme out of these two sections of where we are. And um, I... I, I Really, really hope that if nothing else out of this, that really for us as a whole, in our maturity journey, that we would find ourselves resting in the fact that, that this scripture, that the word of God is our ultimate authority. That it's, it's what we, we lay our life against and when, it, when we see our life operating this way and we see the scriptures calling us to live this way, that we don't just turn a blind eye to it that we truly submit ourselves to the authority of the Scripture. In fact, the um, disgusting and horrible things that have been happening over the last week or so are just a testament in this world of just how far off we can get from Scripture. I mean, think about it this way. If every single person in this world truly believed that the Scriptures was the authority of their life and submitted themselves to it, we wouldn't have racism or bigotry or any of the other things that are happening. But most of us, we, we, we... we're, we're realists or, or skeptics, as one friend said before service. What if, what if just those of us that profess to follow Jesus actually believe this as our authority? Look, I, I, I get it. We're, we're not going to expect those that have not submitted to Christ as Lord that they would actually submit themselves to this. But what, what if just those of us in the room that profess to follow Jesus submitted our lives to this? I I, I believe that it probably would change the the Facebook feeds a little bit. It probably changed the way that most of us interact with one another. And it definitely changed those that don't claim this as lordship to go, that that doesn't make sense. The way that they, they speak, the way that they treat each other, the way that they're operating doesn't make sense. Instead, we see a lot of people that profess that this is the authority of their lives operating completely outside of it. And so the same noise that you hear for those that don't profess it, you hear for those that do. And so as we, as we look to scriptures to mature, as we look to, to God and seeing that he is not, he is not settled on just saving us for some distant future hope, he is he's settled on bringing his kingdom here now. And you and I and those of us that have submitted ourselves to him as Lord are committing ourselves to that now. So we decide to, we make the choice to align our lives to Scripture. And so as we look at this psalm, I think more so than this one, than, than ever, actually I had mentioned we had, um, I had Dr. Voorhees at, at Boise Bible College help me kind of create the structure that we're in, and we kind of made these themes that come from the two chunks of Scripture, the two stanzas, the eight verses that happen. Again, if you want to understand more of how this infrastructure of this book works, just go back and listen to the podcast. We did a lot of work on that, so I don't have time to cover it. But one of the, the, the amazing themes that happened in the first stanza that we read, that, that Maddie just read for you, and, and then what we see in the second stanza is, is, that Maddie just read for you is, is incredible. The first one is we see this over and over again. I think there's five verses, maybe five verses in the entire 176 in the psalm that don't make reference to, to God's law, His Torah, His Scripture. Fi- only five vacate. I mean, it, otherwise, it's there. In this first stanza, six different versions of the eight that are used are used in this, this chunk of Scripture. And so we see this, this overwhelming theme. Like we, we said, it's going to be super repetitive. You're going to hear this over and over and over again. In fact, some scholars have accused the psalmist that wrote this of loving the Word of God more than God himself because of the way he speaks, or the, the way that it's brought out in every single verse. There's been some, some, some confrontation. We actually um, had encouraged you guys to join us in reading through this, whether it was through the entire book of Psalms or through the psalm itself. I think we have that slide up here. We've been posting it every single week on our Facebook. And so I would encourage you to jump in and at least read through Psalm 119 on your own. You can catch up right there. We do that every single week on our Facebook. You'll see it. Um, and we, we see this theme coming through, and one of the things that you see also that steps into the psalmist, and again, John did a little bit of cover on where we think historically that this book was written last week, but, but we see that this is kind of the first, at verse 17, 18, and 19, we see this is the first time that opposition comes. We notice that, okay, that the, that the psalmist is, is experiencing some form of affliction because of what he says here, some form of, of struggle. Now, we can make a pretty good argument that it seems like the struggles that he's experiencing is because of his desire to live according to God's purposes. Okay, so let's, there's there's three big things we can we can learn in this. And but but overall, what you're going to get today, I believe that um, the God wants us to focus in on the fact that when we fall madly in love with Scripture, when we see that Scripture is our ultimate authority, we can't help but notice just how far off we are from it, and just how much we need God's mercy to align our lives to it. And that's what I think you get out of this. We see the love for the authoritative, uh, authoritative of, of Scripture in the first stanza, and then in verses 153 through 160, we see him, him comparing both God's mercy to the world. And the fact that when we see what we're called to do, I mean, how many of us can say in, in the, the very beginning of verse 17, it says, it says, deal bountifully with your servants. So he's saying, he's like, deal like, amazingly with me. But then he goes on and says, um, he says deal bountifully that i may live and keep your word god be bountiful for me so that i can have great things deal bountifully with me so that i can so that i can so that i can accomplish much no he says deal bountifully with me so that i can actually align myself to your scripture give me give deal bountifully with me so that i can live according to your purposes to your will how how many of us pray that on a, on a regular basis God, we, we desire your blessing so that I can live more in line with what your scriptures tell me to live with. We see a, a number of different things. When we see ourselves dealing with the ugliness of this, there's, there's essentially three things that we can say out of, this first thing, out of this first stanza that God tells us to appreciate. The first one is that, is that I may live and keep your words. So this is, this is what the psalmist says. He's, he's saying, I want to live, but I want to live only if I'm keeping your word. To live without keeping your word isn't really life to this psalmist. He says specifically, he says, I, I, I want to keep your word. And that's the first thing we can take out of this when we understand if we truly appreciate God's word. If we truly understand and recognize God's word, we see ourselves desiring to want to live according to this. It does not mean that we do it perfectly but we actually see the desire there and that's what we can take out of this if you if you truly view as god's word authoritative and good and beautiful and worthy and amazing then the first request you have is god i want to live according to your ways this whole this whole mentality that we have where it's like okay i can just believe in jesus and live however i want that is a made up thing that is not in the word of god when we say that we want him, we ultimately find ourselves praying, God, help me live bountifully, deal bountifully with me so that I can live according to your ways. So I can live according to your ways. It's a wonderful and God-honoring prayer. I would encourage most of you, I feel like right now there's been a lot of you that have kind of been at um, maybe path changes I right, like options like do I do do I move here do I live here do I take this school do I go to work here what do I do and I feel like a lot of a lot of people are in kind of transition in that right now I would encourage you instead of praying for God God bless me deal bountifully instead of saying what do I need to do here I say God I just want to do what's according to your ways I don't I don't care where how or what needs to happen there I just I just want to be right where you want me to be I just want to do it according to your ways and to your will The second thing that is incredibly profound that we get out of the scripture is that he says um, in in verse 18, he says, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. He he makes a a realization, an understanding really quickly that I think most of us miss is that it takes God to open our eyes to understand the scriptures. How often do you come to something and you're like, man, that makes no sense at all and you just kind of close it and move on. I mean, or or man, that makes no sense at all. Let me just go ask this person what they think of it. The reality is, and that's not that that that's wrong, but the reality is that if you want to understand what it means to live according to His ways, you need the Lord. You need God's help. You need His knowledge, pure and undefiled knowledge from above, like the author, like James tells us. If we're going to live according to His ways, then we have to say, God, open my eyes I wrote it wrote this way, it says, if, if we by nature cannot see the wonders of God's word and feel the attraction of its glory, then we are in a desperate condition and need to pray for God to help us see it. So if we can, we, we're, we're not going to see it on our own, so then we must ask God to do it. In other words, prayer is essential to this. How many of us have ever actually spent some time in, in Scripture gone, I don't, I don't understand what this means. I need, to, I need the Lord to speak to me in this. I'm going to go to him in prayer for this. Most of us don't have the patience for that. Or we're afraid that it may tell us something that we don't want to line our lives to, so we just move on. You know what this really tells us, ultimately, is that the word isn't changing. It's here. It's good. We don't need a a, a new revelation, necessarily. We just need an understanding of what's already been spoken to us. We don't need to seek out some new creative way to communicate it. We just need God to be creative in our hearts and applying it. We so often want to find something new. Acts 9 talks about Paul's eyes being unveiled when he was converted. It was as if scales had dropped from his eyes. When we pray for God to open our eyes to this, he tells us that he will actually do that. He will actually do that. I think for us, a lot of us, it's open our eyes to it and then give us the desire to be submitted to it is probably the secondary part of that prayer we need to say. It's one thing to acknowledge, wow, that's huge, and that's true. It's a totally different thing to say, God, I, I desire to live According to that, that's the first thing. We don't need a plainer Bible. We just need our eyes to be open to the Bible we have. The third thing that the psalmist says in this first section is, is, is that he, he doesn't... He basically tells us that adversity is a part of your life. And we see this. In this section, in this section alone, we see that it, the, um, that he prayed this because great problems and pressures beset him. Um, the section of the psalmist um, shows us that the author was a man who had suffered deeply. He had known persecution. We see that in verses 22 through 23. He had known deprivation and fear for his life, Psalm 1, or verse 17, and then seasons when it seemed to get nothing out of God's word, verse 18. He also had known lonely, loneliness, rejection, and a sense of abandonment, verses 19 and 20. So we see that adversity is present. We can, we can see that, we, well, okay, if I align myself to God's word, then everything will be great. No. In fact, you can make a pretty good case that the reason why this author was experiencing hardship was because He aligned himself to God's word. So it doesn't mean that adversity goes away. It doesn't mean that difficulties move on. Instead, it says, no, you got to look to his word through adversity. We have to look through him. Psalmist uh, repeats this. He is God's servant, verse 17 and 23. Emphasizes the closeness he has to God, verse 23. It's because of this close relationship society treats him with contempt, verse 22. His opponents are insolent to God in his direction verse twenty one and scheme against him verse twenty three The psalmist responds to this social opposition by doing what this is this is key this is key guys by focusing on god 's direction and seeking advice from them rather than others' advisors. See what does he do when adversity comes he doesn 't run from god or god 's word he goes to god and god 's word so often we get so afraid of understanding this the wrong way that we just, we just bail. And he's saying, no, like, look, if you want to know what it means to really love the Word, or you want to be, uh, like, borderline, like, confronted on the fact that you may love the Word more than Jesus himself, which is what people have tried to wrestle with him. We talked about that a few weeks ago. If you want that lifestyle, then you have to understand that when adversity comes at you, you dig deeper into God's Word as opposed to running from it. When adversity comes at you, you don't run from the Scriptures. This is why, let me just say this right now, this is why your news feeds are so ugly. It's because well-meaning believers have run in fear from Scripture. And they feel like they have more right to speak than to just listen to God's Word. Adversity is going to come. So, so we see in this front section, this first section, over and over again, six different ways he talks about his love for God's word. This is something you'll hear over and over and over again. And in this section, we can understand that there's three ways in which we can kind of see as to whether or not we view his word as authoritative, right? It's, it's that we recognize that God's word is still steady in adversity. Are we going to stay a part of it? We see that ultimately we are to, um, we are to re- rely on God to open our eyes and understanding. I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with people saying this just does not make sense and because it doesn't make sense to me, they run from God. Ask them, have you ever asked the Lord to open your eyes for the scripture? Oh yeah, yeah, Do you believe that he would? Most people, if they answered that truthfully, would say no. Yet scripture tells us that if we ask and seek and knock that the Lord does what? He shows up. And so we see that and then the, the other thing is that we Realize if we're in love with God's word, our desire is to, to live, but only according to his word. My desire is to live, but I want to live according to your word. Now we, we pick up in this second stanza here, in this, this verses 153 through 160. if you want to look at it as well. And the overwhelming theme that comes in this section is, is that we see the psalmist talking about it. He says, I want to live, um, uh, redeem me, bring about deliverance for me. He keeps, he keeps asking for these things. And it's incredibly um, beautiful because he's ultimately asking for them, again, according to his word. So he he asked for redemption. He asked for life. He asked everything in this in this whole section. He asked for it. But he says, Only according to your word do I want this mercy. Only according to your word. In fact, he um, he says pretty quickly, he says, I do not forget your law. So he says, in lives, in, in our lives, affliction drives them, most people away from God's word. This psalmist says such troubled times drove him closer to God. This is this is what look, I, I don't to beat a really dead horse a little bit further, okay? In times of difficulty, in times of trial, let me, let me, actually, let me back up a little bit. I have yet to find anywhere in here this promise of just this easy life. I have yet to find anywhere in here It's like, okay, following Jesus is the easiest thing in the world and it'll make your life all fluffy bunnies and unicorns and everything's great. No, in fact, we see that realistically, trials are coming because we are just like this psalmist writes in the beginning, we are sojourners. We are not meant for this world this is not home for us our home is his kingdom his purposes so you will experience trials sometimes because of our own poor choices but sometimes like the author of peter says or like peter says various trials are trials that come in at us they're not they're not anything we've done it's just trials of of the circumstances of this broken world So trials and hardships and persecutions should drive us into His Word, into His promises, not away from them. And we see that over and over and over again here. In fact, Psalm 5015 tells us to call on the Lord and He will deliver us. Who delivers us? The Lord delivers us. Not your skills, not your buddies, not the law, not your government. The Lord delivers you. We have got to rest back on this. We also see in the section of the Psalms, which is interesting, that the, that the, that the author puts a, a disdain towards those that don't follow God's law. We see this disgust in him. I'm disgusted with. And it's not, I want to be really clear, it's not that he expected those apart from God to operate according to God's purposes. It's that he just did not like that much anyone doing anything opposite of God's word. Is a disgust in him going, I, I can't believe that people live this way. Now, I know, and we, you and I both know this, and he knows this, and the author knows this, that essentially that, that you can't live according to God's purposes without God. So to expect that, hear this, this is important, to expect that from any group that's organized in the States, guys, is a ridiculous thing. Just hear me on this. It, it makes no sense. Now, I can understand. We can say, well, there's just, there's just polite, and there's manners, and this is ridiculous. I get that. I'm not, I'm not arguing against that. But to expect someone that is not submitted to Christ as Lord to live according to his purposes is foolishness. Doesn't mean we don't push for it. Doesn't mean we don't encourage it. Doesn't mean we don't disciple, don't evangelize. I'm not saying any of that. But to expect it, no. And it doesn't mean that we like it. In fact, we see the author here. He's, he's disgusted with it disgusted with people that can live not according to God's word. But then he goes on, and this is, look, if you guys ever read the Scripture at all, if you've read through the Psalms that we've been doing, there's a theme that comes out. I, I don't know if maybe I'm alone on this, but, but I can't help but feel, and, and maybe not a show of hands, sometimes you ever feel like you're not measuring up? You ever, you ever read something and been like, man, I, that is not me. Like, I know that that's what the Scripture says, but that is not me. Am I, am I alone in this, or is, is just everyone like, got it? <laughs> My bet is, is that really what this is going to do is point out just really quickly just how far off we are from it. Just, like, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to overwhelm you. Like, you're going to look at this and go, man, this is the expectations of what it means to be a believer. Just read the Sermon on the Mount, and you can already feel small. What is expected of those that submit themselves to Jesus Christ is Ridiculous. So hard, so difficult. And this is why I think the psalmist does this in 153. He says, look, at, look on my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. So deliver me, redeem me, give me life according what? To your promises. Again, he's not asking for life outside of what Scripture says. But then he goes on in verse 156. He says, great is your mercy, O Lord. Give me life according to your words, your rules. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries, but I do not swerve from your testimonies. I look at the faithless with disgust because they do not keep your commandments. Consider how I love your precepts. Give me life according to what? To your steadfast love. His steadfast love is his mercy. When I come to the scriptures, I realize two things very quickly. How incredible and amazing God is and how broken and messed up I am. And so we must plead then for his mercy. We see God's mercy is incredible. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Verse 5 and 6 is awesome, too. I would encourage you to go on. 2 Samuel 24, 14. Then David says to God, I am in great distress let us fall into the hand of the Lord for his mercy is great but let me not fall into the hand of man there is always a contrast between God's mercy and man's do you do you do you recognize your need for God's mercy You see the value in it. Psalm 86, 5, just to give you a few more for extra credit. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Ephesians 2, 4, 5. But God being rich in what? In mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. Guys, I can't tell you how many times you're gonna come to the scriptures and feel like, man, I just don't measure up. So what do we need to do? We need to rest on his mercy. We, this, this scripture should be driving us to the fact that we need his continual mercy in our life. We need him to give us what we don't deserve. We need him to shower us with what he has already done for us through Jesus Christ. And then when we, when we align ourselves to that, when we see that his mercy is covering me, that when I look at this and I go, man, I don't measure up, but his mercy is what allows me to be there. Him fulfilling the perfect law and being the perfect sacrifice so that I can mess up and still get the blessing as if I followed it perfectly because of the covering of Jesus' blood. See, when, when we align ourselves to God's word, when we find the, the, the value and the beauty and, the, and the, the immense glory that this shows of who God is, our lives will look different. But they only look different if we're rested in the mercy of Jesus Christ. They will only look different if we, if we submit ourselves to them entirely. And so as we, as we continue to look in this area of Scripture, as we continue to look through the psalm and work our way through it, and, and, and we've only got probably about six or seven more weeks of it realistically, but as, as we continue to dig into this psalm, the question I want to leave you with today is, is, is twofold. One is, is, is this truly the authority of your life? I mean, like, really. I asked this question a, a few weeks ago or a month ago at, at the men's breakfast, and it's a really hard question if you ask it this way. Would you say that you 100% believe that the Scriptures are your authority? And we all were like, oh, oh. I mean, you know, like, I mean, hypothetically, well, yeah. I mean, like, no one wants to commit to it because we see what? The fact that we live not as though it's authority. So what does that mean? That means we must rest in His mercy. You see how this goes together? If this is truly authority, we will see just quickly how badly we follow it. So we must rest in His mercy. We must ask for Him to deliver us according to His purposes. That may mean that your deliverance isn't in the six months or in the decision you're looking for, but it could be a decade from now. That might mean the redemption you're looking for in someone may not happen tomorrow, but it might happen 20 years from now. But as long as it's according to His way, then we submit ourselves to it. And so I would ask you, what are the areas in your life you're going? No, I'm not submitted to this. I can be really clear. It's really, really easy for me to go. Okay, I love, I love His steadfast love. I love God's love. I love it. I love it. I love it. I just really don't like when He asks me to do anything with it. I, I love, I love what God, I love God's grace and His mercy. But, but those people group, they don't deserve it. I love, I love what God's mercy and His. I love His love, and it's amazing. But you know what? I don't really feel like I have to follow His covenantal rules in my relationship do you see see how this plays out in our life and my assumption is is just those three examples maybe struck a chord with some of us I could keep going and I'm sure we could all find something that strikes a chord with every single one of us and what does that mean well wallow in shame and guilt and have fun good luck to you guys, no No, his steadfast mercy, his mercy is what we rest in we must come to that the band is going to come up and we're going to worship some more Right before Ephesians 2, 4, is that it's, like, it's this ugly section. We've already went through it, right? And he talks about how you are this, your, your sin of, of disobedience, all these different things. And then the biggest but in all the scripture, right, is what we just read. But God, but God, being rich in mercy. Your, your areas in which your shortcomings come isn't, isn't a bill that God's mercy can't handle. Do you understand that, that that your your lack of submission to God's word isn't something that he's going, oh man, I just spent all my inheritance on Bren. Sorry, I'm out on you. His mercy, he's rich in mercy. He is rich in mercy. But but listen, hear me on this. If you continue to assume that because he's rich in mercy, that you don't have to submit yourself to the authority of God's scripture, you have missed the point of following God. The reason why this author gets accused of loving God's word more than God himself is because of the way he speaks about it. The only reason this author can write this way is because of his unbelievable love for God himself. These words make no sense if he doesn't believe that the Redeemer on the other end is every bit what this says. These words make no sense if he doesn't believe that no matter how much adversity he comes across, no matter how difficult life gets, God is bigger. So maybe in your maturity journey, maybe as you look to the scriptures, as you grow in this, Maybe you just need to realize God is a whole lot bigger than you made him out to be. For some of you, it it truly means this is the year. This is the time. This is the call. I'm I'm giving you the the cutoff point where you say, okay, I'm no longer giving to the authority of this world. I'm giving to the authority of God. And I see the goodness and the beauty and the joy and everything that comes in being present in that, despite what happens in this world, despite how dark or bleak it looks despite what my newsfeed looks like, I can still rest on the beauty and the joy and the glory of God because this is not changing. There will be newsfeeds years from now that will still have this in it. And if there were newsfeeds back in Jesus' day, I'm sure this would be in it too. We pray, Heavenly Father, we come to you recognizing that ultimately for your word to be authority in our life, that means that that our life would look different. And maybe some of us need to just confess that fear, confess that we are... um, like almost paralyzed by the fear of living a life according to your scripture. God, for those in here that that um, see your, your scripture as authority and they continue to to maybe make bigger their mistakes, God, would you help them rest in your mercy? Help them see that you have already taken that from them. Yeah, for those in in the room that are questioning you, maybe they they look at the, what they see the news feeds of other so-called Christians. <laughs> putting on and they see the hate and the, and the ugliness and the disgustingness of this world and they, they're using that as an excuse to say then this God can't be real God would you please just wreak havoc with their hearts help them see that, that, that we can all get, get off and that's why we rest in your mercy but Father as, as, as we come to your scriptures as we look at the law and the, and the, the commandments and the, 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 the way in which you speak to us and the way in which we can speak to you God it is, it is, it is unbelievable what you've done for us would you restore in us a love for your word? God, I just pray this week specifically for every individual in this room that they would just open up the, the, the Bible, even if it was just random, or open up a Bible app, whatever it is, and they just come to a scripture, God, and I pray, God, that that scripture would just overwhelm them with your goodness and your love and just how big you are. I pray that they would no longer read your word as if it was just some thing to read, but instead they'd see it as living and active and beautiful, and what you ask of them is good. God, may we be a people that align our lives truly to your word. And when we fail, God, would we rest in your mercy? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.